Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. So, let's get going. So whenever a letter or a book is written in your New Testament, um, it's usually a response to something that was happening in a particular church. Uh, or in an area of churches. And so in this case, uh, there were some churches that were confused because of some false prophets. So some people were teaching some things that really confused the people about Jesus. And so John is writing this letter to correct and also bring clarity to what our faith is all about. And so it's very important to understand what is the context into which John was writing, and then ask the question, well, how is that still relevant to us today? Because the, the word is always relevant. It's alive and active and it's powerful and it's for us also today. And so the context um, goes something like this. The confusion that was brought is that these teachers um, were firstly, they were docetists. Um, they, uh, that, that's basically this idea of docetism. Um, is this idea that they didn't acknowledge or believe that Jesus came as a human. So it's not a focus on the person of Jesus, um, and so it's sort of like he gave us some, you know, principles, or that's not really the, the big focus. His humanity um, isn't actually emphasized, right? And the second uh, confusion that came is that, that there was some Gnosticism that came into uh, the church also, and what that is all about is this understanding that you have to get a special revelation or a special kind of knowledge, and that your salvation sort of lies in that. It's not in the person of Jesus. It's like some people get the special knowledge uh, or revelation from God, and they were also confusing the, the people through that. Thirdly, um, there was antinomianism. Antinomianism basically um, is uh, undervaluing godliness, saying, you know, the sin you do in the body doesn't really matter. Um, and probably what influenced this thinking was that there's sort of Greek thinking in the New Testament that we find where the spiritual was seen as good. And so that's sort of what Plato, the philosopher, was also teaching, that the spiritual is good, but the physical is bad. All we need to try and do is to escape the, the physical, because uh, that bad, that's bad and it's worthless, but the spiritual are the good things. And you see, you can imagine... If it's about, you know, this particular knowledge and the spiritual is good and what you do in, you know, the body doesn't really matter, that the issue of sin would not have been an issue. Saying, and so they were saying things like, you know, people can't really sin uh, or there's no such thing as sin. And so that is why one, John, when you read it, he addresses the issue of sin and he addresses the fact that, that the way you connect with God is not only on a spiritual level, but it's on a very physical level also. That the way that you live is not unrelated to how you believe. He's trying to connect those to us and, and, and help us to, to understand that, um, to you know, speak to the separation that there is with the spiritual and the physical. And sometimes we also live like that, right? And so the question then is, when I say this, is any of that relevant to us as the church today? And I believe so. I believe all of those issues, that we've got similarities in our church today also. In a way, the way that the church functions is it's also sometimes a knowledge. Uh, Christianity is oftentimes just this thing that you have to believe. It's a doctrine that you have to understand here, but there's not enough emphasis on the person that walked this earth 
and that is still alive because he's, he's resurrected, that that person is the rabbi that I'm busy following. The focus is on believing certain things. So in a sense, our churches have become oftentimes like university classrooms or a school classroom where we teach a subject. We take the Bible and we teach it as if it's a subject instead of understanding that our whole faith is about a personal relationship with Jesus. And so I think this letter is very much relevant uh, to us also today. Um, now, another way in which this uh, you know, plays out is the separation of the spiritual and the physical. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, someone once said this, that you know, we, we've got Jesus in our hearts, but Jesus is not yet in our bodies. It's like you know, we believe in Jesus, but Jesus is not visible in the way that we live yet. And so John was trying to address this issue also, and that's why it's relevant to us also. Dallas Willard, he writes um, the following. He speaks about the conservative gospel, and he, he's just ex basically uh, giving criticism on, on the church. And he's saying the conservative gospel is when people believe the following. Jesus died to pay for our sins, and if we only believe, and so it's sort of something that happens up here in the mind. If we only believe he did this, then we will go to heaven when we die. It makes atonement the whole story. We trust something that Jesus did, but not necessarily who he is. And so the shift that needs to take place is that we don't only believe something. We follow a man and his name is Jesus. And so John will help us to actually bring that sort of correction. It's not only something we believe, it's, it's a person we follow. Dallas Willard also goes on, he says, um, consumer Christians, uh, he gives a definition of consumer Christians are people who engage in church functions regularly without in, ever engaging in discipleship to Jesus. And that's what I quickly want to speak about um, today, is what does discipleship look like? We are called to be disciples, you know, primarily, we are not called to just believe a certain doctrine and understand a certain special knowledge. We are called to follow a man, and his name is Jesus. So with this problem that they had back then, and we often maybe also struggle with, with that in mind, let's read from 1 John 1, from verses 1 to 3. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. Do you see the shift that he's busy making, saying this is not something that we believe, we proclaim to you the one. It's a person that we believe in. It's not a thing we believe. It's a person that we believe in. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen with our own eyes. He was a physical man. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The word of life, it's, uh, that's, our Christianity is different to all other religions. It's, it's not like we've got a religious leader that came to teach us certain religious uh, principles. It's not like Moses that gives us a law that's outside of him that we have to follow and saying, you know, this is a good way to live. Jesus is our religion. Jesus doesn't teach us our religion. He is our religion. And so the focus is on there's this person that we've met. He is the word of life. This one, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. So, do you want to know what life is all about? He is the one that is eternal life. 
He was with the Father and He was revealed to us. And so it's this focus on Him being a person. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, He makes it clear that it is a person that we are following. And I want to maybe just come from it from another angle so that you understand why this is important. Why, why it's so important that we understand when we speak about Christianity, it's not a doctrine. Christianity is discipleship to a person, and his name is Jesus. We follow a man, and he's the goal. So when you read your Bible, this is not to, to get, gather knowledge. You read your Bible in order to get to know him. It's a means to an end. The knowledge we teach in church is only a means to an end. Jesus is the end goal. Knowing Him. You see, there's a difference between knowing something and knowing Him. That's the difference. Uh, Christianity is all about knowing Him. That's what it's about. So let me come at this from another angle. So what does discipleship mean? So that word discipleship in your Bible could have been translated as another word, apprenticeship. Do you know what an apprenticeship is? It's when you are an appy. Maybe if you want to become an electrician. Uh, so if you want to become an electrician, there's going to be a time where you have to do your appyship. Right? You're going to have to be an appy under an electrician. What does that mean? You are going to work for the electrician to be close enough to him. And then what is the goal of your apprenticeship under an electrician? It is so that you can do what he does. So that you can become what? So that you can become an electrician. <laughs> the, the same as if you are a medical student. I don't know if you know this by now, but you're going to do comserve, community service, but you're also going to do an internship. And you're going to work in a hospital under some other doctors. What is the goal of your internship? So that you can become a doctor. And so if you are an apprentice under Jesus, what is the goal of your apprenticeship? so that you can become like Jesus and that you can do what Jesus did, that you can live the life that Jesus lived. Jesus is not something we only, you know, believe in. It's a person that we are following him. He's our mentor. We are the mentee. He's the teacher. We are the student, but not in terms of knowledge, in something very practical. It's the way we do life. <laughs> we, we are apprentices under the person of Jesus. That's what discipleship means. So that's the way I'll explain it, but this is where Jesus puts it. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. He looks at some guys and he tells them, follow me. Not let me go teach you. Come with me and then I'll teach you the ways. It's like, follow me. That is the call to each and every one of us. You are called to follow him. Follow a person. It's not a doctrine. It is a person that we follow. Um, so if this is the goal, that we should be appies, <laughs> um, that we are doing an apprenticeship under Jesus, that we are disciples of Jesus, what does that look like? And so I just want to speak about two things today. And this theme we see in the book of 
um, uh, 1 John. Uh, because the way 1 John writes it, um, he's not a systematic thinker. So, so he doesn't write, you know, first chapter, then that leads to second chapter, leading to third chapter, or like uh, consecutive thoughts built upon one another. It's sort of like a circle. He comes around to the same themes over and over and over again. One of those themes that you see over and over again is this idea of fellowship to Jesus, idea of abiding. You know, the word abide, is the, it's the verb of the word abode, which means home. You home in Jesus. You abide in Jesus. It speaks about knowing Him. You'll read, when you read 1 John, you'll read those words of fellowship with Him, abiding in Him, being in union with Him. And you'll read the word know Him. But when it speaks about know, it's not knowing facts. It's experiential knowledge of someone. It's, it's not like I know my geography. It's like I know my wife, Karim. Like intimately, we've got a relationship with one another. I don't only know facts about her. And so that's the kind of way that he speaks about this uh, throughout 1 John. But then, if we want to understand, you know, this, what discipleship is about, two things we want to speak about. Firstly, we, you have to be with Jesus. And secondly, you have to become like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple under Jesus. You spend time with him firstly, but secondly, you copy him. You walk as he did. You learn from him the way that he lived. You be with Jesus, and then you become like Jesus in doing what Jesus did. And so I want to speak about those two things briefly. Firstly, about the second one, what it means to be a disciple is that we, we become uh, like Jesus. So 1 John 1 verse 6. Let me just show you why this is important or how this is important for him. 1 John 1 um, verse 6. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him, is that word fellowship, we will walk in, uh, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So he's connecting your fellowship to Jesus with the way that you walk. You, ca you can't separate the two. 1 John 2 from verse 3 to 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word... In Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. How do we know whether we're in Him? Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. And so essentially, being a disciple is not only, you know, spending time with Him. It's actually to allow Him to transform you and to be obedient to Him. So it speaks about obedience. Um, and uh, maybe a way we can put it, it's like, you know the game, follow the leader, Simon Says. You know that's, that game? Simon Says, raise your right hand. Let's see, okay, very slow crowd, okay. Simon Says, raise your left hand. Okay, Simon Says, touch your head. Okay, now I'm just having fun. So we play Simon Says, but then in church we do a weird thing, that when we play the game Jesus Says, we memorize it, but we don't do it. It's like Jesus says, you know, A, B, and C. Jesus says, love your neighbor. It's like, yes, yes, I know that verse. I memorize that verse. But we don't always do it. Can you imagine, how many of you have got teenagers in the house? Anyone here with teenagers in your house? Okay, so for those people, imagine going to your daughter or your son, telling your teenage son, go clean your room. And then they say, father, I will remember your words. 
And then you walk away, and after an hour, you come and you say, son, your room is not cleaned. And uh, you ask your son, did you hear what I said an hour ago? D did you hear me? I said, yes. Wait for it. You said, clean my room. Then your father gives you a high five because you remembered what he said. No. It's like, yes, but did you clean it? It's like, no. He says, but dad, I remembered it. I remember what you said. In fact, dad, I've invited four of my friends, and we are going to do a study on what it means to clean your room. And I'm going to teach your words to my friends that they also memorize that you said, clean my room. We're going to do a five-week course together <laughs> on what it means to clean your room. And we're going to memorize. I can say clean and room in Greek now. <laughs> I, I've studied your words. I can say it in Greek, and I'm going, to, I'm going to teach myself how to say it in Hebrew also next. That's the difference. That's how we do this game of Jesus said. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you are an apprentice under an electrician, and he says, okay, now you do this and that with those wires. You don't memorize the words. You do that, and in that there's training. And in us obeying Jesus, we become like him. That is how we abide in him. Abiding is not only emotion that you feel in your heart toward Jesus. It is walking with him. It's like, you know, my wife and I, we've got a, a relationship together. But our, you know, date nights, that's not the only part of our intimacy. Our intimacy and our, our relationship with, with one another is also expressed in the way that we serve one another. In the way that I, with my physical body, not with my emotions in my heart, but with my physical body, wash the dishes. You know, that is the way that there's this unity with us. We serve one another. Now, in the same way, if you are walking with Jesus, a disciple follows his commands. 1 John 3, verse 23 and 24. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, uh, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. And if you want to know, like, what is the commandment of Jesus? The number one commandment, and the main one, is love. 1 John speaks a lot about loving other people. That's the command. If you want to be like Jesus, you love people. He even explains that if you want to know what sin is, sin is the opposite of loving people. If you love people, then you're not sinning. If, you, if you're treating people without love, that is sin. And so if you want to be like Jesus, we love people. But then he goes on, verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. Eugene Peterson says, Following Jesus does not get us where we want to go. It gets us where Jesus wants us to go. Now, I can imagine that after I say this, this can also bring a bit of guilt or a bit of, you know, feeling unsure about yourself, like, oh, Flip, yeah, I'm, I'm really a bad Christian because I'm not following Jesus with the way that I, and, and you feel maybe discouraged, like, how will I, you know, follow the commandments of Jesus? Uh, because we love Jesus, but, you know, how am I going to actually do this? And Jesus gives us this answer. It's a conversation he had with the disciples, John 14 and 15, and immediately explains to them that I will send my spirit to you. And because of my Holy Spirit, it will be possible for you to abide in me, to be close with me. And so that idea of being a disciple means you become like Jesus, but in order to become like Jesus, you have to be with Jesus. If you spend time with Jesus, he will rub off on you. 
and you will become more like him. You'll catch his heart. You become like the people you spend time with. And so he gives us his Holy Spirit so that the Father and the Son will come and make their home inside of you so that it's possible for you to really walk in the presence of God. And the more you walk in the presence of God, the more you will start bearing fruit. And so 1 John 2 verse 27 says, But as for you, Christ has poured out his Spirit on you. As long as his Spirit remains in you, you do not need anyone to teach you. If you are walking by the Spirit, if you are abiding in Christ, you don't need me. You don't need the church around you. You need Jesus to really change you. Obviously, the church helps us and encourages us, but it only encourages us to walk closer with Jesus. After a Sunday morning service, you should feel inspired to go and abide more with Jesus. For His Spirit teaches you about everything, and what He teaches is true, not false. Obey the Spirit's teaching then, and remain in union with Christ. And so basically saying, be responsive to the Holy Spirit. If you walk close to Him, listen to what He says, and respond to that. Uh, John 15, so the same John that's writing this letter, is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. And so um, you'll see lots of the same language also in the Gospel of John. So John 15, he says it in this way. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And so just side point, we're not speaking about your salvation. You know, we're not speaking whether or not you are a child of God or not. We're actually just speaking about your intimacy to Christ. If you ask me, how's it going with my marriage? My answer won't be, yes, we are still married. Like, if I can look at the documents, we're not divorced yet, so we're married. When you ask me, how's it going with your marriage, you're actually asking me, how's it going with your relationship with your wife, your intimacy to your wife? If you ask me, how's it going with you and your dad, my answer won't be, uh, well, I'm still his son. If you check my DNA, I'm still his son. You're actually asking me, how's it going with our relationship? Have you spoken in the last year? And so you say, when we ask one another... How's it going with your relationship with God? How's it going with your abiding? We're not asking whether you're a child of God or not. You might already be a child of God, but you just haven't spoken to your father in a very long time. And so abiding is this, this call. That's what John is encouraging us, to walk closer and in closer intimacy with Christ. Because if we do that, we'll start seeing the fruits in our lives. And so verse 4 goes on. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. With, uh, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus makes it simple for us. If you walk closely with Jesus, there will be fruit. You'll start, if you understand the being with Jesus you will start seeing the becoming like Jesus more often in your life. And so it's the way that a branch works. If, if I were to take a branch that's not connected to a tree, just a dead branch, and I hold it up here, and we all prophesy over the branch, and we pray for the branch, and we lay hands on the branch, and we think really hard about the branch, it will not produce apples. We can stick maybe apples onto it and sellotape it onto it, but that's not fruit. But if a branch is connected to an apple tree, apples will be the byproduct. The branch doesn't think about 
you know, bearing fruit, like, it just happens. It's the byproduct of being connected to the source. And so in the same way, we are called to a lifestyle. We are called to abide in Jesus, to stay connected with Him, to be intentional about our connectedness to Jesus. And from that place, you will start bearing much fruit, as simple as that, and to be responsive uh, in that way. So, being a disciple is, uh, I've mentioned this before in church, uh, but Dallas Willard explains this, when he speaks about our discipleship, that there is an active part to your discipleship as well as a passive side to your discipleship. The passive part is the fact that God initiates. He's always the one that's initiating. And also, the passive part is that you bear fruit by just abiding. You don't have to really work on the fruit. It's the Spirit of God that is working through you also and working in you. So there's the passive part where God is changing you. But then there's the active part of your discipleship. And that's what John is also speaking about. Come and abide in me. The active part of discipleship is saying, I want to be intentional about my time with Jesus. I want to be intentional by laying down any distractions in my life so that I can focus my whole life on this person, Jesus, that I'm following. And so laying down distractions is basically saying no to sin. Sin is a distraction from God. That's basically what it is. Saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no to the things that are not focusing me on Jesus. And to make him, because Jesus is not part of our religion, he is our religion, I make following him my goal in life. And in that sense, we are active in the way that we abide. We pursue Jesus actively. And as we do that, we become more and more like Jesus. We are also active in the way that we are responsive. You know, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, you have to respond. Although the Holy Spirit is initiating, when He convicts you of sin or He, he asks you to go and do something which is showing love to the people around you, He speaks, He initiates, but you have to respond. And so there's that working together of the active and the passive. He initiates, but we respond to that. And we pursue Jesus so that He is allowed to initiate more and more in my own life. Now, 1 John 4 verse 15 uh, says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, um, God abides in him and he in God. So we have to come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And just on that theme, you'll read it, the theme of love in the book of 1 John saying that the way we abide, like if you really want to become like Jesus, the main thing that an electrician does, you know, he makes sure that we've got electricity. Uh, the main thing a plumber does is make sure that there's plumbing. The main thing that Jesus does, he loves people. That's his core business. So the way that we abide in Jesus is by the way that we love other people. I want to ask us maybe to stand and... Um, yeah, maybe Albert can join me. Uh, let's all stand together. And I want to read you a verse from 1 John 5. And it says the following. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we know the true God. We live in union with the true God, in union with His Son, Jesus. This is the true God, and this is eternal life. Just as we started out, this is the second last verse in 1 John. So the way that he starts the book is the same way he ends the book, by putting our attention on the person of Jesus. 
saying this is not a doctrine that we only believe, not a, not a, a, a knowledge we understand. It is a person, and he is eternal life. John, this same John, he says in John chapter 17, verse 3, which is probably my favorite verse in the Bible, and he says, an eternal life, eternal life, what life is all about, means to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so the invitation, the call, is to know God, is to know Him experientially in your life, not only in your thought life, and in, in, in knowing His words, but even in your actions to, to abide in Him and to focus your whole life to Jesus and to submit your whole life under the Lordship of Jesus. Like every decision that you take, the way you think about your job, your parenting, your marriage, everything, you do under the apprenticeship under Jesus. Your discipleship to Jesus means you allow His Lordship over your life. It's an invitation to follow a man, and his name is Jesus. That's what it's about. So I want to just maybe give you an opportunity, uh, just as we're standing, as I was speaking about your intimacy and using the example of uh, maybe a relationship to a dad, that he's still your father, but how's your relationship doing? How's it going with your abiding? If you feel like you are just a little bit distant, um, and uh, you haven't spoken to your father in a while, or you just feel like, I've got this hunger in me to walk closer to Jesus. Um, I want to just give you an opportunity this morning just to allow, and again, do, use, using your physical body, saying, Jesus, I'm hungry for you. And I'm going to raise my hand for that, because that's my biggest prayer in life. So I want to walk closer to Jesus. And so if that's you, I want to just give you the opportunity, just raise your hand as a way of saying, Jesus, I want to walk closer with you. If you just feel maybe there might be some distance, this is not like recommitting your life or getting saved again. It's just saying, Jesus, I've got a hunger for more intimacy with you. If that's you, just raise your hand like that and we want to pray together. Just cry out to God for a moment. Saying, Lord Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want to be with you, spend time with you, God. But we want to allow you to, to, to make us into your own image. We surrender our lives before you. You are the one that we want to live for. We want you to be our, our beginning as well as our end. Like, like everything in our lives, God, we want it to start and end with you and submit everything under your lordship. You are our rabbi and we are your disciples. That is what we are confessing this morning. God, for every person with their hands up, I just want to pray that, that your that they would experience your closeness this week. Thank you that we know that your presence is available to us. God, we, but we want to walk in your presence this week. We're hungry for you. We want more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you were able to listen in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Dr. Deo Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel.